If you have your Bibles, you're going to find yourself in the 20th chapter of Joshua. Joshua chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. We'll not read all of those. But here's the title of this morning's message. He's my refuge. He's my refuge. We're also, as you find yourself in Joshua chapter 20, you need to go ahead and just uh, earmark it. However, you'll find yourself in Psalms 90. Today we're going to look at the refuge cities that Joshua 20 is going to talk about. We're going to understand the purpose of what those cities were for. We're going to look at what was provided for those who needed to go there. But then we're also going to set the stage uh, there in Psalms number 90. Of course, this psalm is uh, the one of the, if not the oldest, it's the oldest psalm. It's written by my, uh, Moses. And so he's going to set the stage, but I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and preface all of this. It's been a difficult week for many of our people. It's been a difficult week for the Barrett family. Brother Jim's at home, seems to be doing well. But he had surgery, brain surgery. And now they're having to wait 10 days to get the results from that. That makes for a difficult time. We also know that we've had others that have had issues. This morning, and I started to understand. Let's just be honest. Sometimes you're like, okay, God, what's going on? But God started to reveal why uh, having the time that I was doing and, and, and where I didn't feel like this is where I needed to go. And then I go back and forth and, and I was just burdened. Uh, this morning, I got news that helped me to realize why I was having some difficulties. A young man came by the office. He was needing some help. I had suspicions. I was a little hesitant, but I went ahead and helped him. As he walked away, I just, I, I just, we talked about the relationship with God, and uh, he talked about how he'd gotten away. Now he's wanting to get back, and he told me some other things. And uh, he goes off. This is just a few days ago. This morning, I got the news that he had died. Not going to go into the details of how he died, but it was tragic. And God just sat down on me. And he said, Mike, there are people all around you that are hurting. My wife been in the hospital for three days. She's at home, seems to be doing better. And we're encouraged by her progress. But she started telling me about how she was witnessing there in the unit. And she said it was astonishing 
that they had never heard a simple gospel presentation. We got a church on every corner in this town. And the burden that we should have is that we need to quit fooling around with petty little nonsense silliness and understand the seriousness. There are people who are hurting and they need to know there's a place they can go that's a safe place. God's good. Joshua chapter 20. Well, we're going to go ahead and and go to, let's go to Psalms 90. I'm sorry. Psalms 90. Here's what the Bible says. It says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Did you get that? The man of God. Joshua referred to Moses as a man of God. Ezra referred to Moses as a man of God. He says, the man of God, and this is what he prayed. Lord. Now, in the Hebrew, it's Elohim, which means the God of power. Do you understand today that if you have a need and you need your, to go to a safe place, you need a refuge city to go to, I can tell you exactly where you can go. It's not necessarily a place, but it's a person. It's God of power. Amen. He can take care of your need. He can take care of your hurts. He can help you and He will uh, strengthen you in your deepest time. Uh, when everything seems to be bleak and, and everything seems to be, what's the use of continue going on? God can show you that He loves you and He cares for you. Amen. So He says, Elohim, Thou hast been our dwelling place. You could interchange that when he says, Lord, you've been our refuge. You've been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, uh, just to get us set up for... uh, Here he says that you've been our dwelling place. Here, this is the John 15... John 15 says, you abide in me and I abide in you. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And he tells us that if we're hooked in, grafted into the vine, the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will help us to produce fruit. We see it all in the scriptures where he can dwell in us. And if he's dwelling in us, you do not necessarily have to go to a place. You can have that place within you, the Lord Jesus uh, being in you, because greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
But then we go on and see. He goes and now understand Moses' story here. For 40 years, he lived in Egypt. For 40 years, he lived in uh, Midian. But everything was a settled life for those 80 years. 80 years, Moses. Now, he had his issues along the way, but it was pretty much settled. But then, God called him to a people, and for 40 years... He's leading a funeral procession. That's what he's doing. Eighty years, settled life. Forty years, he's having to deal with issues every day. And they're just wondering. But may I remind you also the difficulty of that in and itself. But Miriam, his sister, uh, had died. Uh, Aaron, his brother, had died. And in the middle of between those two deaths, uh, he was disobedient. He struck the rock and he suffered the consequences for that. So we're talking here about a man that, oh, yes, he was well known. And yes, God used him. And yes, he was a man of God. But notice... He's having to wonder with people for 40 years. Now, why am I saying? Those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior are not immune from difficulties. There are some who think and some who teach, by the way, is a false teaching. That everything's going to be lovely. Oh, you're going to have money in your pocket. You're going to be able to live the way you want to live. Money will never, ever be an object with you. And it's the same ones that are begging for your money so they can go ahead and have that lifestyle that you've given them. But they in turn says, if you just give me some seed money. That is false teaching. Nowhere in the Bible do you see just because you're a man or a woman of God that everything's going to be a bed of roses. So here, notice though, having go all through this trouble, uh, he still says, God, you've always been my dwelling place. Also remind you for, uh, in Numbers 33 tells you this, For for those 40 years, they had to pack up and move 42 times. You think your life is chaotic. You think your life is unsettled. And there's many in this room today that you feel like your life is unsettled. It's a lot of uncertainties. I grant you, there are uncertainties. There's no one in this room today that understands what may wait you around that corner. I'm not here to, uh, to play on emotions. I'm just here to let you know reality is reality. None of us have a guarantee that we're going to make it out of here alive. But we have a dwelling place. We have a refuge that we can go to that will provide for us and will minister to us. Now, quickly over to Joshua chapter 20. Joshua chapter 20. 
We understand uh, that uh, here in Joshua 20, it talks about the refuge cities. Now, understand the refuge cities were six cities. You'll see it in verses 1 through 9. And, and, and so these refuge cities uh, were a place where if you accidentally took someone's life. Now we understand that God's a just God. And we understand that uh, there was uh, no police force, but there was God's laws. And one of the things that God uh, put into law that a man would have to pay for his crimes fittingly. In other words, the punishment fits the crime. Kind of foreign to us now, but but back then, if you stole from someone, you were under obligation and you were commanded to bring restitution. Here, the law, if you took someone's life, that the nearest kin could come and take your life. Here in the text that you're looking at in Josh chapter 20, Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, is that they refer to him as the slayer. And so now the slayer, or also it uses the word the avenger of blood. And so uh, maybe it was uh, you, you were working and uh, you reared back with your axe and you, you, you hit the guy and then the guy died or, or whatever the case may be. But it was not premeditated. It wasn't with any malice. It just it happened. It was an accident. But because of the law that you took a life, the family could send someone after you and go ahead and take your life, the avenger of blood. Okay? So, God uh, also gave a, uh, His grace. We see His grace. Okay? And His grace was that He went ahead and told them to set up refuge cities. There were six of those. And we know that there are three are on the east of the Jordan, three were on the west of the Jordan. And, and these places were go. If you accidentally uh, killed someone, you could go to the closest city. Now notice some characteristics about the city. The gates were always open. Significant there. The gate was always open. And you would go, and the elders would come to you and you would state your case. Why you're needing to be able to come into the refuge city. They would hear your case and if they determined that it was purely accidental, then they would provide a safe haven for you. A place that the avenger of blood could not come. If they found that you were guilty then they would cast you out and you would meet your demise. But also we notice that these cities, many of them were up on a mountaintop. Significant here. If you've ever been to Israel, you'll know that uh, they have um, one color scheme. (laughs) It's white limestone. Okay? Okay? Now, something, 
Now, to get the picture here, so the refuge city would be up on a mountaintop, and the day when the sun would shine, and you can still see it today when you go to Israel, one of the most beautiful places, and one of the, uh, the, the place where I just kind of lost it, was when before you come into uh, Jerusalem, we stopped, and there was a place where you could overlook and the sun was about to set, and that sun was hitting on all those buildings, and it just had a glow about it. Now, the reason why I lost it there is because I couldn't help but forget where Jesus looked over Israel, the Jerusalem, and he wept. But he wept for their sin. The reason I got so tore up that day is because... I wept because I've been forgiven of my sins. And so no matter where you're at, you looked and you would see a glow, even in the nighttime. When it was a clear sky, the the moonlight would be cast upon that city of refuge and would have a glow about it. Now, why are we talking about all of this? Because it is a wonderful picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, it was on a mountain, alongside a mountain where our Lord died on an old rugged cross. You go there today and you will see that, and they told us that it would be not necessarily at the very top, it would be a little closer down. Why? Because they wanted to make sure everybody saw Him hanging on the cross. My dear friend, your refuge this morning is not necessarily going to a city, but you're going to Calvary. And you understand that He died for you and He died for all of us. And because He took our place and because He shed His pure blood to cover our sin, we're able to say, I can be set free And because of that, I have a refuge I can go to. You're here this morning. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You need to come to this refuge. You need to come to this Jesus. You're here this morning and you're saved and you know you're saved. But you're just going through some stuff today. I've already alluded to the fact that it's been a difficult week for many of our people. But I also have come to understand I'm even more in tune with who comes in on a... Ray, on a we never know who comes through those doors. You never know who you're sitting beside. You never know who's in front of you or behind you. You do not know what they're going through this morning. And I don't want to give all the details, but I'm telling you, uh, my, my wife is... Uh, she's really gone through a tough spot. But she reminded me, and I reminded her as well, is that she had a safe place she could go to. She read her Bible. And also she recognized the fact, and I know she will not care for me to tell you, because there's somebody that needs to hear this. She says there were many that would come to her, and they would ask her questions about this Jesus that she was talking about. My dear friend, you may be going through some mess. You may be going through some trials and tribulations. 
But I'm here to encourage you. God knows exactly where you're at. And it could very well be that God has allowed this to come into your life so that you could be a blessing to someone who's even worse shaped than you. I've learned to find that out. Some of the stories that she told me, I'm thinking, whoa. People that hear voices. People that hear from Satan. And Satan's telling them to kill themselves and all that kind of thing. My dear friend, I'm telling you, there is a refuge. And His name is Jesus Christ. And we need to be conscious of the fact so here, the city, uh, but notice also some of the characteristics of these cities, these refuge cities. They would have signs all around the countryside pointing them to where they could find that refuge city. In the Hebrew, uh, uh, it's uh, uh, Mikla, I believe is how you pronounce that. If you're a Hebrew scholar and I butcher that up, just see me after the service, straighten me out. But I just got a sneaky suspicion that y'all are thinking, yeah, that's how you say it. (laughs) So there were signs. It was clearly marked how to get to the refuge city. We understand today that the refuge that you need, it's clearly marked how you can get to Him. First of all, we must repent of our sins. We must confess our sins. We confess it with our mouth, but we have to believe it in our heart. And then it goes on and says, And whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see even more in John 3.16. For God gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We see it all through the Word of God. The signs pointing to the refuge are very clearly marked. But I'm also talking to believers. And here's what happens when we go through our times of trials. Sometimes we miss the signs, don't we? We really do. We get caught up in all that's going on around us and, and we're, we, we get forgetful. And of course, that's when Satan pays the visit. Satan comes and starts telling you, yeah, you know, if you, oh, if you really had this loving Jesus you talked about, you wouldn't be in the hospital room that you're in today. Oh, yeah, if you really believed in this Jesus that you said is a God of love and one that changed your life and all that, why would you have to be going and making arrangements at the funeral home? And sometimes we lose sight of that. And, and sometimes the signs get a little blurry. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to encourage you today, the signs are clear. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still in control. And He wants to meet you. He wants to be your refuge this morning. And there's somebody here that needs to come to know that Jesus still loves them and Jesus still cares about me. And He told me, and I'm claiming His promise today, He's never going to leave. He'll never forsake me. And even though the Word 
worst thing could happen in my situation. I have that wonderful promise that I'll be spending all eternity in a place called heaven, worshiping all around the throne, worshiping, worshiping Him, praising Him forever and forever and forever. And so, this is our refuge city. Now notice, you're finding yourself in Joshua 20, starting in verse number 7, I believe. It starts naming the cities. Now there's significance about names, especially in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, there was a lot of significance about word usage, about words. Today, there baby dedication, uh, little Mr. Beckett. There's a significance to his name. Your name. There's significance to your name. Matter of fact, you're here today. You need to understand you're significant. Why do we know that? Because Jesus Christ died for you. You're significant today. And somebody needs to hear this. You've lost sight of that. You've lost sight that God has a purpose and plan for your life. Oh, wow, God, this is not the plan I had laid out for me. Welcome to the real world. None of us expected some of the things that have come into our paths. But we were able to persevere. Why? Because we knew we could get to our refuge. The Lord Jesus Christ. So, very quickly, look. He names the first city is Kadesh. Kadesh means righteousness. See, your refuge, the Lord Jesus, is righteous. And because of His righteousness, you can be righteous as well. Now, I know back, uh, back, in the, uh, back when the uh, 70s, I might have gone further back than that, uh, there was uh, the surfers, you know, surfers had their own language. And they would, you know, uh, they're doing it today as well. There's so much slang in our uh, uh, English language that you're like, I don't understand what they're talking about. Because so, some of the things that they used to say don't mean the same things they do now. And one of the things that the surfers do when he got a big wave, and he, I mean, he's really doing he says, oh, man, that was righteous. <laughs> no, my dear friend, that's not righteous. There's only one who's righteous. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But because of His shed blood and because He now resides in you, you have become righteous. You're righteous. Not because of who you are, but because of who you are. And so, see, there was Kedish. But also we see Shechem. And Shechem means uh, shoulder. Oh, somebody needs to hear this one. Shoulder. Jesus says that I've come to give you rest. He says, I've come to take that burden that you're carrying. There's somebody carrying a burden right now. You're carrying a burden and it's about got you down to your knees. But Jesus has come along and he says, Hey, I'll lighten that load for you and I'll take that burden on your shoulders and I'll place it on my shoulders. Isn't that good? 
He can take your burden and He'll place it upon Him. And He is more than qualified to carry your burden. Matter of fact, He carried your burden when He went to the cross. Your sin burden. Aren't you glad that He took that load off of you? Aren't you glad that today that you don't have to be weighed down in your sin because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ? He's lightened your load. He's taken your burden. And there's somebody here that just needs to give your burden to the Lord Jesus Christ and put it on His shoulders. But then there was another city, and that's Hebron. Hebron means fellowship. See, the refuge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have fellowship with Him. Matter of fact, He desires to have fellowship with us. Do you understand that the Lord wants to have an intimate relationship with you? The God of the universe who spoke it into existence, who who had nothing to work with, created it. He didn't have to have matter. He didn't have to have the molecules already in place. He spoke it into existence. He, he put all the stars in the galaxy and beyond. He placed them exactly in order. He placed this place called earth and he put it on the right axis and it turns exactly like it's supposed to. See, God is a God of power. He's a God of creation. But this God who spoke to the universe in existence wants to sit down right beside you and have an intimate time of fellowship with you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. And you can have fellowship with Him Anytime. Anytime. One of the things that I hear about, and you do too, got to have your safe place. I understand that. I have no problems with that. We'll go to the basement. But what happens if you're not near your safe place? (laughs) Here's what happens. Oh, Oh, God. Oh, we're going to die. We're all going to die. Where's comfort in that? Okay, big deal. You had a safe place. You're 40 miles from your safe place. But my dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, He's just a prayer away. And He will give you refuge. He will bring you strength. He will comfort you in your time of need. But in the, as we move on, we see Bezer. Bezer means fortress. I like that word, fortress. We sang about it this morning. He's our strong tower. He's the one that we can go to. And when we go to Him, we feel His loving arms around us. One of the things that I miss with not having my dad, my dad was about 6'5". Now stop it. You're already thinking, well, you sure didn't get height from him. My dad was also bald-headed, okay? (laughs) But my dad was about 6'5", about 6'5 and a half. And when I would come and when I would have hurts and whatnot, I'd run to my dad. And dad, of course, had to get down on his knees. And he would wrap those arms around me. He says, son, it's going to be okay. No matter what was going on, even though the blood was still gushing from my little cut or whatever, I felt safe. How much more so 
with our Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, He stepped out of heaven so that He could come down to be your fortress. He's your shield. He's your high tower. But then we also see there was the city of Ramoth. And Ramoth means heights. I like that. Mountains are very prominent there in Israel. We've already alluded to the fact that the cities of refuge were mountains. We understand that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died on a mountain. But there's some interesting characteristics about being on top of a mountain. We don't always stay there. Matter of fact, if we were real honest, majority of our time we're in the valley. But it's good to know that one day we're going to be going up. We're going to be going up. I said one day we're going to be going up to our refuge. Our strength, our hope, our joy, our peace, we're going to be with Him forever. But also, the last one is Golan. The name means joy. Joy. I thought about that word this week. And I thought about how many people don't have it. And I'm not just talking about those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I'm talking about those who are believers. Many people get it confused that if you don't have joy, then you must not have salvation. That's the furthest thing from the truth. David tells us, he said, that I need to have my joy restored, not my salvation. Because if you're truly saved, you're saved once and for all. Jesus said it this way. Jesus says in John 10, verses 28-29, He says, If you've been placed in my hand, no one can take you out. You've been sealed into the day of the Lord. I don't know about you, but no matter what you're going through this morning, you can still have joy. You can still have peace that surpasses all understanding. But there's someone here today that's kind of lost that. I'm here to tell you today, you can be restored. Jesus is wanting to be your refuge this morning. If you're in the balcony, you need to understand that you'll have plenty of time to get down. We're fixing to go to the invitation. And you have plenty of time to come down here and do business with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, you don't have to wait for us to get an invitation. If you feel led to come now, you need to come now. Church, I understand that this has probably been a little bit different preaching. But I want you to know there's somebody, there's somebody here 
that needs to find the refuge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm burdened today that we've lost sight of the hurt and the heartaches of people round about us because we've gotten so consumed with stuff that really doesn't matter. And Satan is smiling and high-fiving his demons, saying, we got them where we want them. Maybe today, church, it's time for us to take this thing a little more serious, to be a little more sensitive to people that we come in contact with, to, to, be, to, to be more willing to hold off on our judgments and criticism of folks. And could it be they just need somebody to tell them that they, there's somebody that loves them Amen. and somebody that cares. Amen. Church, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yep.